0: Steve, hi. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> I'm so good. I, mate, I'm really, really chuffed to speak to you um, because you, you've just got such an incredible history in games and, um, you know, to be able to talk to you today about Wargaming taking out top honours at the 2021 Australian Game Developer Awards. Um, excuse me, I'm about to <gasps> Excuse me. Um, is really cool. And, and the reason why in particular is because Game on Australia ha, has embarked on a new type of, um, I, I don't know, putting support around our community in, in a way where it's a very simple message where we're saying it's okay to just play. Um, and mm. that is acknowledging that it feels like these days you can't pick a game up without having this pressure on you to stream it, create content out of it, make a career out yeah, of right. it, play eSports in it, so on and so forth, where we're just like, it's, it's also kind of cool. Sure, we acknowledge that's important, but it's also kind of cool to just be able to pick up a game and have that stress off. Um, and to hear you get the Adam Lankman Award, um, which honours an individual who's helped the game industry advance to a better place, either through facilitating a better game community from within,
1: or by reaching outside
0: the industry to advocate for video games, just speaks volumes to me. So congratulations, mate. Well done.
1: Oh, thanks so much for that. And that was a a bit of a surprise, I have to say. Uh, You know, I think partly I I got it for just being around, (laughs) turning into it, You know, when I started in the 80s, it was... um, yeah, certainly not a career. It was just one of those things that you know your parents frowned at and and wanted you to get a proper job, uh, and then suddenly an industry just formed around it. You know, and and now it's you know daily stats around it. You know, overtaking, um, um, you know, combined volume of, of of music and film and so on and is the, the massive um industry that it is now but yeah so so it's been a long road <laughs> from from my perspective and it's been fantastic to have been able to join in those early days and even from then you know it's that the people that had that same vision of the uh, and that same sort of enthusiasm that you can feel and, and these days it's just it's it's gone so much wider as you just talked about it's it's streamers it's players it's developers you know it's it's everyone the, the, the ecosystem around games and the excitement that that games you know can bring uh and uh and the involvement they create the communities and the connections you know all of that kind of stuff is just now magnified but that that essence which is like isn't this just really cool you know, we should do this. Oh, I like that bit. You know, that that's that's where it all starts,
0: and it's always going to be like that from the beginning. I I love that. This is what I love about games and creating because this the sky's the limit. You know, if, if you can imagine it and you can code it, you can create it yeah. essentially. Um, <laughs> and the thing that I'm I was most excited to talk to you about, um, or to talk to you with regards to, is the fact that you know you have been around in the industry since the '80s. And so I, I'm so keen to pick your brain on just how you've seen the <laughs> industry change and evolve over that course of time. Um, but to give our audience an opportunity to get to know you, can you take us back to the beginning of your career? Where did you start? Gosh. <laughs> well, there's... there's <laughs> at the very
1: beginning. Uh, well, there is a... you know. So I think in those days, because when there's nothing around then people just sort of make something happen so if you think back as maybe a point of reflection you know there were people who started what is what became the mod community you know just by by making something happen nobody told them how they just sort of got hold of stuff and then it became a thing so even going back further than that um, I got started because I was always into games board games and so on I did a computer science degree at UNSW and then had some friends there and it's like yeah we should do something and then went off and, and sort of took my first graduate job with IBM and was you know enjoying that side of the the you know the programming engineering kind of side but always had that sort of creative idea streak um, and so one of my friends from uni was was working at um, what was then just the, the start and the beginning of the sort of a corner PC store so they sold in those days it was the Apple II or the commodore pet i think <laughs> and then and then you know the the, the early ibms were, were just coming out so this is like you know mid-80s um and so they sold everything and so then it was like well one day he saw this little thing stuck onto the onto the window saying oh if anyone wants the job we want to make a game for the america's cup and there was so no industry that the guy had decided that if he went to a retail computer store and kind of posted something maybe somebody could make him this computer game. <laughs> so my friend went, oh this is going to be awesome. We should do that. So that's kind of how we got started. We actually then got a Commodore 64. These are kind of like museum pieces now that we can talk about but um and we had not actually I, I and an Apple II and, and and so on we had, had didn't have a Commodore 64 so we actually went out and bought one um and took a few <clears throat> sickies and uh, kind of you know programmed our way around the clock and scribbled little notes as we went to sleep and somebody else because we had to get a demo done in a couple of days um and then handed it in then all went back to work thinking nothing would happen happen about it but we um we ended up getting that job and and that's when we formed Microford and we started you know <laughs> kind of doing stuff uh, in the industry so that's kind of how I got started
0: so you you so you did create the America's Cup game for the Commodore 64? Yes, right. We did indeed. Um, and did it take off? Well, it was um, for the time. It was one of the
1: most successful ones. But but in all honesty, partly because that was then part of the the Commodore's strategy was was um, packaging that with the uh, with the computer itself. So right. they, they went. Had a big. Um, uh, advertising campaign and so on went with uh, the Commodore 64, and so a lot of people had heard of it as much because it was one of the things that was. I guess it was one of the first goes at bundling stuff, you know. It was like,
0: oh, here's a thing.
1: So um yeah, but that was, was like, that was good fun. It sort of went from there. Was that 1986? Um, I I'd, I'd, I'd have to look up the video, you know, because I'm just <laughs> thinking in terms
0: of so 86 it sounds about right. Did we win? I'm just trying right. to remember when we won the Americas Cup. I think it was was it 88. Again. Oh. Uh, Hang on. I've got I've got to figure this out. You, right. you, you, so you go. Um, yes. going on to six. So I'm seeing nineteen eighty-six, America's Cup, Australia win. I'm gonna put in nineteen eighty-eight. Uh, it was geez, we won in eighty-three. Uh, eighty-eight. All right, so um, All Right, right, so there there must have been a hell of a lot of buzz. I think that was when we um when we, I think it was Alan Bond, developed the new technology around the That's keel. That's the one, right? Yes, yes. Um, yes. So there was, That's you know, the there must have been a, a real buzz. Does that ring a bell for you? Was there a buzz like a couple of years down the track, and were you still a part of that team as that was all happening?
1: Yeah, yeah. There, there was definitely a buzz about that. Um, particularly, it was. You know, it's a great example of of how when it can reignite suddenly, we're all like, "Yeah, we're into yacht racing of giant maxi." <laughs> Go for us! <laughs> that was fantastic. Actually, one of the things I remember most about that was it was I've always admired people that can do those fantastic headlines for newspapers or just taglines, you know, that they're sort of almost like their brains are wired in a brilliant way. And one of my favourite ones was for the America's Cup and the headline was 4-3-2-1, but it was spelled 4-3, numeral 2 and then W-O-N because Australia 2 right. won the America's Cup yeah. four races to 3.
0: Oh geez, that's clever, isn't it? That is clever. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I don't know why I still remember that, but anyway,
0: <laughs> it's funny. It's funny what your 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 mind hangs on to. It really is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. America's yeah. Cup, the game, Commodore sixty four. It's taken off for you guys. You have found yourself in this industry as that sort of waned. Where have you moved on from there? Sort of through the nineties. Uh,
1: yeah. So then, you know, I, I guess we were a typical sort of small. Uh, the small struggling uh, studio always looking for, for the next bigger thing you know it was only a few years after um, like when we when we use that as a moment to full microphone it was only a few years after EA itself was founded and I'm not sure when some of the others like Ubisoft were but it was definitely in the super super early days and so that's when again you know uh, you know EA was very open to, to new 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 deals and affiliations and one of the interesting ones from there was and, again, it sticks in my mind because, you know, we have the, the, the cover of the, the America's Cup or the packaging for the America's Cup game with a floppy disk that was actually floppy. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, was, was sort of said at all. And because it's got a picture of the four of us as developers on the inside cover. And they had this early vision that games were going to be so big it was going to be like the music industry where people would follow like the band, right? They would follow. So we all start promoting the developers. You were right? rock stars, <laughs> right? <laughs> And I remember that was so short-lived because of course they actually did some promotional events. I remember for for some other games they were making at the time around that era, you know, and they promoted them. And people went, who, who are these guys? Like, you know, people just cared about the game. Occasionally it was a name, but nobody really cared about it. Nobody's gonna turn out in their, you know, in their bedecked fan glory to to sort of hold their cigarette us up to the, the
0: game developers. You know what's funny about that, though? Like, we we do sort of live in a world now where there are some game developers that have gone beyond their games and are revered. Like, you know, Hideo Kojima, for example. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. He is a yeah. rock star, and his games are great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I've thoroughly enjoyed playing them, but for some reason, He's been elevated by the community beyond his games and just the mere fact that mm. he is Hideo Kaji. He's a rock star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: there's definitely a few of those. And I think we've all got our favorites, you know, or, or the people who have stuck in our minds, uh, whether it be, you know, people like Will Wright as well. And I, I remember uh just recently I think you guys were talking a bit about um uh Psychonauts 2 coming out, was it? I seem to say, see yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, again, um, uh um you know, Double Fine, and those guys, are, again, are, are, have got such a design um, sort of sensibility going back to, to you know, the original one and, and all the stuff they've done has been along that side. So I'd say, you know, again, um, very much in that same sort of a vein, but... Um, you know, maybe there is a few infamous ones. I don't know how people think what to think of Gabe Newell in terms of industry. Industry.
0: <laughs> Gabe, Gabe Newell is a funny one, you and I feel figure? like that's a yeah. that's a topic for a whole other podcast that we we'll dive <laughs> right okay. into and spend a lot of time on. Personally, um, <laughs> yeah. so you know, you've you've moved through your career over that time, uh, and you've seen the industry evolve and change, and you've ended up at War Gaming, um, and you you know you're the head honcho, you're the general manager over there at Wargaming in Sydney and we'll get to that and you know, we'll talk about the award and what it means to you and, and all of that sort of stuff so, so on and so forth but for you who's been a part of the industry over um, well geez, we're in 2021 so if you've been there since the 80s then we're talking close to 35 or 40 years um, and uh, how have you seen the industry and games shift and evolve you know since that since I guess the, the very first America's mm. Cup game that you put out to what we have now Hmm, <laughs> that's, that's, I that's know, it's a, a big that's question. A pretty, it's like, how it's how a big long's a piece question. of string?
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, probably starting with some of the things that are the same and which is always the things that, you know, keeps me in the industry and still keeps me excited is is that it's the idea and the execution of that idea that is still that core piece. And one of the things that excites me most is when, you know, things come out that just resonate. You know, with people, whether it be, uh, you know, I don't know, thinking on top of my head, you know, like you know, like when PUBG came up with, you um, <clears throat> uh, know, it, it was. Uh, I know you're uh, talking for, about uh, when, yeah, yeah, when, you know when, what I mean. When like
0: we got it, PUBG, and for some reason, or, the battle royale, and from there, the battle royale genre was born, essentially.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and if you look at it from a sort of a game development perspective, or you know, maybe a, a critical review perspective, it's like. Well, there's nothing that new about it because it's got all the mechanics of a a standard you know, a military shooter, all the sort of similar types of weapons. There's nothing particularly revolutionary, but just that excitement of cramming those people in there with that shrinking ring with, you know, a little bit of extra tweaking around the parameters of, you know, survival and, 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 and instant death and, you know, all that kind of stuff created something that really felt like a really new experience within a whole lot of other parameters that were super familiar. Um, but even little things like among us you know it's like you know <laughs> those types of things are just fantastic they just and i think there's always room for all those those things that that will happen at different levels because um i think people have a different appetite to to experiment so i suppose if i talk talk about one of the things that's changed like i think in the in the early days it was more like you know, can you make a fun game? The cost of it was, you know, like we were a team of four doing everything and we were one of the larger teams. There were even some solo teams in those days. But in general, games were smaller. And so you could afford to take a bit more of a risk. Like, is this a good idea? was more of a core thing about about that. And of course, these days with the, you know, the the tens of millions, even, you know, approaching hundreds of millions for some some massive productions, uh, it's so much of it is on we know so much about what our audience likes about this game. So production values and content, and we pump all these other things into it uh, and tweak a few things around it. But, but, you know, it's a lot more of a known quantity. So, so to make a, you know, it's a really big effort now to make a, um, uh, even though everybody wants to do it, it's a really big task to make a new IP at a triple A level, because it sort of implies all the other things that, that people sort of building on with, it, with, with whatever, you know, your favourite sort of franchised IP is, that they're, they're leveraging from all that known quantity and putting that all into, into, you know, everything from sound and graphics and art and, you know, content and et cetera, because they know what that out, outcome is going to be. Um, so I think now it's more of an evolution into these, you know, a, a, quite a complex ecosystem where, you know, there's, there's, fantastic you know smaller and you know I'm a bit like bit, to say indie developers it implies something that's a little bit garagey but I think smaller developers that are really focused on core ideas um, that can pull off that because they don't have to sell you know 100 million dollars worth of you know units to break even um, so they can afford to take these more interesting sort of idea risks uh, to, to, to experiment other things and that's what I guess, emerges things that can turn into a genre. Like, you know, as you say, sort of some of the things that started as a mod, become, you know, then become a, a something in its own right or, or a small idea becomes something that is copied enough to become a genre in its own right. Um, so I think we've got a much more complex but really interesting ecosystem now. In, in those days, it was very simple. <laughs> it's like, uh, here's a known quantity. It's a Commodore 64. And you know, it's it's almost staggering now, probably for, for people today, but even myself when I look back on it, to think that that's what it was. a Commodore sixty four, there was sixty four k for everything,
0: code, graphics, everything. <laughs> it's <laughs> and uh, it, it, it is wild, like to just to hear you talk about that. It, it is wild yeah. to get a moment <laughs> just to stop and think about it. And that's right. <laughs> is it is it easier to create a game now than it was back then, by virtue of technology, or you know, because I I almost feel like it it may have been easier then because the size of the games was smaller, but that may not be the case. Uh, that, I think that is true. On balance, it's true because just the parameters
1: around which you what you had to work with was was its own limiting factor. Um, I think these days, you know, there's fantastic tools game engines and so on that make developing a game easier but but then the bar of what you're considering a game that you're going to release is has a certain sort of already a kind of a, a, a much higher bar and so yes you're getting a lot of help but the sort of expectations of everybody is also another sort of degree up so um, you know, I, I think that's always also been one of those exciting things about games. that I've talked to people over over the years in my little bits of advocacy when they when, when the naysayers said, "But games, you know, you're going to do something serious, etc." It's like, well, you know, games are the thing that are the the biggest challenge because they're constantly pushing. You say, oh, do we need a new graphics card? Do we really need that anymore? Yes, because we can squeeze more out of it. Like as soon as we get something, we can squeeze more out of it. But, you know, a banking app is a banking app, really. Yes, they have some changes, but as long as, you know, your transaction goes through, who really cares? But, you know, if you get a faster machine, it just means you can add that extra beautiful specular shading on the eyeballs that you couldn't do before. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's, no, there's never a point to relax. <laughs> there's always more you can push out of it. And so I think, Game development is always on the forefront of of all those types of things, as well as obviously creative ideas coming together, which is what it's really all about. But if you just look at the 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 other sides of it, it's it's sort of spearheading a lot of that innovation. You know, things that were exciting. If we looked at, I don't know. I remember one one going to one trade show and seeing the the, the crisis engine there, you know, with the just volumetric clouds. And it was like, oh, it was amazing. And then, like, next year it's like, yeah, yeah, of course, everything should have that now. And what's
0: next? Yeah, yeah. How do you so, keep on pushing the envelope? Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean, this is a conversation that we have quite often in our team because it's kind of like, you know, we look at hardware, for example. Um, and, you know, our, t- our team of reviewers will review last year's laptop and then I'll review this year's version of that laptop. And, and quite often they'll sort of come off the back end of a review like that and they'll go, well, it's, it's basically last year's laptop. Like there's not, you know, with a, mm. a little bit more of a push. And, um, right. I, you know, yeah. as, as game developers, what, what is it that you're looking for to evolve a game and push the envelope?
1: Right, yeah. I, I, it's always a combination of a number of things. I guess it's always um, it should be, you know, always always gameplay first because you know it doesn't matter if it's beautiful. If it's beautiful and boring, then
0: nobody cares. <laughs> um,
1: but but if you if you feel like you've locked down a lot of those other things, then 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 it is you know that combination coming together of you know narrative, sound, visuals, you know all that kind of stuff. It's you know that that can enhance that gameplay experience um so so you know experience first and I think you know there's plenty of cases where people have got a little bit lost in in the other things that they need to have checkboxes on and, and the game itself has not been as perhaps as as, as strong or as polished as it, as it could have been um but uh so I think it's it's really all those things you know if you released a fantastic game um that was you know targeted something that really didn't have it was good but it didn't have you know uh, you know the graphics or the sound or the you know heaven forbid voice acting or whatever that wasn't up to up to par then you know it clearly would be uh, quite um, rightly panned by by people. But um, I think it always needs to be gameplay first. And there's been those you know those fantastic examples where just focusing on that pure gameplay has been a wonderful thing. Like one springs to mind. Just talking about that is is super hot. I don't know if you ever played Super Hot, but it was you know. Uh it was a wonderful thing where it was the one idea was about um uh when you when you move, time goes fast, and otherwise everything's in slow motion. So as you shoot your gun, it's always in slow motion. But because it was done on such a low budget and also but felt f- fitted right into the design, it's just raw polygon people. Um and playing that in VR, I have to say, it's still one of my <laughs> most fun experiences. So, but yeah, it's where all those things like I think need to come together. That that um, is where where the real magic happens. Uh.
0: To see you talk Daddy, about games the way that you do, um, you know, and to see the joy Daddy, on your face as you talk Daddy, about these games. Oh, hello. Uh, yes. I want some Sorry. Watermelon. No. You want some watermelon. Yeah. Okay. Um, can you can you ask mummy, please? No. Okay, we're going to do this right now, um, are we? I'm ready. Ask Mama. Okay. Mama? (laughs) Yeah. Watermelon? (laughs) Yeah. All right, off you go. Sorry, mate. Um,
1: Energy watermelon.
0: Right, good old uh, (laughs) uh, uh, these crazy COVID times and working from home. Um, uh, To see you talk about games the way that you do, you know, after all of this time um, just fills my heart with joy. And it just it just says to me that this is what our industry is about, you know, to see that you can get, you know like Close to 40 years of enjoyment and fun out of working in this industry just says to me that it's got such a bright future and what we're doing means something. Um, and I I want to move on to to war gaming um, and the actors. And again, you know, mentioning congratulations around the Adam Langman Award, but also mentioning um, Ash Van Wingard, your product manager, uh, mm. who picked up the Rising Star Award as well. Um, it just feels like from from having covered war gaming for quite some time as a publication. Um, and having had a fair bit to do with the people around Wargaming, whether it be PR or people who work on the game or so on and so forth, no matter locally or around the globe, it just feels like the Wargaming team um, has an incredible creative environment for bringing a game and a, and a team together. Is that is that the case? I would hope so. Um, it's certainly what...
1: I mean, you know, I feel quite privileged, you know, being in the Head of you and, and the position I'm in because ultimately creating that environment and, and uh, those that level of decisions is you know sort of all, all rests on on my shoulders um and and if if there's one thing that the many years have taught me is that you know if you can hire great creative people and then sort of get out of their way <laughs> that's when you can do the best work <laughs> and uh, and what I mean by that is that there's always in any business there's always pressure of like you know uh you know revenue targets and release dates and we've seen this over and over again and when you're embedded in that as a developer they, they are very real things to sort of navigate through and and it is surprisingly easy for those sort of things to sort of start to hijack the narrative a bit. And I think um, really one of the, the secrets is to always, you know, sort of work to try and cr- keep on creating that space, obviously within, you know, whatever your, your financial constraints are to, to keep running a successful business, but but fundamentally not be targeted at, we're going to make this really successful game, that's going to make a lot of money, or it's going to, you know, it needs to get these reviews and it needs to do this and it needs to do that. But really having that space to... to you know, make sure that that creativity is explored, and and if something isn't working, then then as hard as it is to, to bite the bullet and say, look, we're just going to need more time to, to to rework that. You know, I know people might not like that, but uh, so as much as I've been able to, it has been trying to to support and create those opportunities for the for the projects we've been involved in uh, at wargaming and, and and prior to that, you know. Uh, with the autonomy we had being a small studio, but um, you know, trying to bring that, you know, into wargaming. So, you know, we are, we are working on a um a very exciting co-development with the UK Wargaming UK studio, which is DPS Games, as they they rebranded themselves, um, which is not due to come out for for a decent amount of time, but it's 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 good to see those same sort of things at at play where you know, some of the experiments that the, the, the bold claims, you know, it's like this will be fantastic if we do this, this, and this, and then it's like it's not really working out that way, but but this bit was good. Let's go with that, you know. So um, I, I think they're, they're the essence of giving you your best shot to, to to keep that going and then, you know, everything else sort of flows from that and the, the engagement and the motivation and, the you know,
0: <laughs> the excitement that gets injected into everything just sort of happens from there. Unreal. Well, look, it's infectious. Um, we love following war gaming. We love what you guys are doing. We get so much enjoyment out of playing the game, watching people play the game, mm-hmm. seeing the competitors in the eSports um, for the game as well. Yeah. And, and, mate, we can't but wish you all the best. And, again, congratulations to you and your team on these well-deserved awards. Um, and thank you so much for your time uh, to, to chat with us here at Game on Australia. And all the best for some continued success. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I have didn't really talk much
1: about the esports side of things, but that that certainly has been one of the, the. I mean, I just need, if I could just have a quick a quick plug Place. to that because that, yeah. that's a of another, but, yeah. Well, it has been one of those fantastic things to see. You know, that coming out of an idea that that maybe we can we can create something around that, and you know, having the different levels of competition and those eight fantastic teams and and you know. Uh, uh, you know I think it's over a million view um, hours now of people have been able to engage with that. and certainly for me, at my level of playing, I'm finding far more enjoyment at watching the experts um, uh, on on the playing field for that. but um, yeah, it is really good to be able to be behind that and that's certainly another another really strong area I think of growth in the industry is over uh, you know as a whole, but you know fitting into the ecosystem we're talking about, but very very exciting to be part of that.
0: Well, that gives us a great opportunity to catch up again, mate, because I'd love to pick your brain on sure. over esports and how it's come into the ether um, because you've been right. a part of this industry as it's appeared, you know, out of virtually yeah. nowhere to become this cra- crazy bastion of professional sporting entertainment, you know. So um, very excited to get your thoughts on that a little way down the track. But, again, thank you so yeah. much. I really appreciate your time today, Steve. You're a legend. Oh, on, yeah. Thanks
1: so much. Thanks so much. It's been, been a pleasure.